Welcome to Testfree Roulette, a podcast where my panel guests could be asked to discuss any testing topic decided by randomly selected test-free cards. I'm your host, Christopher Kikinger. Let's start testing. Hello and welcome to the Testfree Roulette podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kikinger, and today we have two new awesome special guests here, uh, Sebastian and Cristiano and they will introduce themselves. Sebastian, do you want to go first? Okay, hi, I'm um, 36 years young, uh, over 15 years a software tester, have been in different companies, have you tested different applications. I don't know, exploratory, uh, I know exploratory as well as automation. <laughs> I'm, I, I consider myself, how's it called? Damn it, I got this wrong, um, a full stack tester, I test the UIs, applications, databases, whatever comes across. And I have two little children. Yes. Tell me a fun fact about yourself as well. Um, I met my wife more or less when we were hitting each other because I'm a martial arts practitioner and we met at the training. Okay. That's interesting to know the context at the end. (laughs) And uh, Cristiano, will you introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. Um, my name is Cristiano. I'm um, actually a solution architect with Test Advocate now in a company called Xplant. Uh, but I started as a developer and fall in love uh, for testing in the testing area and uh, delivery uh, overall of the systems. So and the automation because I come from development. So my true passion is automation. And nowadays, uh, automation is everywhere, which is good. Um, but um, a little bit like Sebastian, I, I'm, I, I could say I will steal this. is His description, I'm a full stack tester. <laughs> I do performance. I, I worked in infrastructure. I did development. I did API. At the time, it was web service testing. Um, and I did a lot of other things. Um, and nowadays, I'm more uh, turned into sharing what I know and learning more with, uh, with the community. And a fun fact about yourself? I don't know if it's fun or not, but it's uh, probably um, not that common. Uh, you guys cannot see, but behind me, I have a lot of masks. So I, I, I like cosplaying and building masks. And now with 3D printing, it has taken me to a whole new level. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love it. All right. Are you guys ready to play a game? Yes. Yeah. All right. Test your roulette. I will spin the wheel very soon. It will land on a certain card. A card has a summary, a title, and three examples. I will read the title, obviously, and the summary. Uh, we'll discuss whatever comes up. And if needed, I will um, also read some examples. Spinning the reel right now. It landed on a purple card. It's a feelings card. The title is Bored. Negative feelings. You haven't found anything new in a while. And you wonder what the purpose as a tester is. Have you guys experienced that before? I have. 
uh, experienced many times that uh, that that feeling uh, of being bored, of not being or not feeling useful uh, for the company just because I'm following some scripts. I've been on that that place where it seems that like you're following scripts, you're not like thinking or contributing to the team, mm-hmm. to the company, because, well, you don't find any bug, you're kind of just going along, you're not experimenting new things. And it's it's not um, a nice place to be, but as you, you get old, you will notice that there is beauty in everything. And um, if you do things, if you take things in a, to a new uh, level every time, you intervene within your teams and your company what i come to on or came to to be aware is i can contribute in all the little things because as i have evolved i knew or i know now that quality is everywhere so it's there's always something that you can contribute to the process to the tooling to the way you work to helping someone so if you are open to it, probably that feeling will not be around that much. You need to be proactive, though. At least that's True. my True. experience. Yes. Um, how to say? Uh, I I I will be a bit nitpicking on the on the words of the card. I found I think finding no box isn't a problem when I go good. When I do good testing and the developers did good quality, I will find no bugs, and that's also valuable. Because, um, but by the good testing I do, I'm exploring the product. I'm just going through, uh, not just. I'm going through different cases and try different things out. That doesn't bore me. It's to, for me totally fine to find no bugs when the quality is good and I good do good testing. Being bored. <laughs> I guess more seldom. I experience more procrastination of things I don't like <laughs> to do because they are so big. Okay, maybe I have experienced to be bored in the past when I have this typical test case management thing. Here's a number of steps, just click them. And you're nearly next to be uh, your actions are nearly next to be automatable. That here I get bored, but at good testing I never get bored. I definitely agree. <laughs> I'm gonna read like the first example because it, it leans a bit towards what you're saying. Um, things are going so well, you're beginning to doubt your value. So, how do you make your job more interesting? I seldom doubt my value. I'm con- I guess I constantly contributing and sometimes even more than my colleagues want to. <laughs> Cristiano? Well, yeah, on my side, it's um, it will depend on <laughs> in what uh, in what uh, type of test I'm I'm with, um, but usually. Uh, it's like, yeah, more suggestions or overreaching uh, sometimes because, like I said before, we're not focusing only on validating that feature. I'm trying to understand how it feels within the project, how it feels within the all uh, offer of the company has, and how will it work in that environment for those users, for those personas. So, yeah, sometimes <laughs> they ask us to test a little thing and it ends up to be... Uh, big, big 
um, suggesting that is not related with that little thing, but makes sense overall. So I think, yeah, it's more on that It's also line. being the, the proactive part, I guess. Yeah. I think the testers have that thing within them because quality is in the inherent. So we always try to figure out how we can increase quality and we don't stop like it's not my job anymore. We were, I, I have the feeling that we are always between like development and product owners or development and operations. We are like the guys that make the things work because we need to have environments to test. We need to understand what are the requirements. We need to translate that to development. So we are like the, the full stack yep. <laughs> testers around. Yeah, true. Um, let me read the last example on this card as well. Um, it's the same old thing every time. Every day you do the same tests and nothing is surprising you. How can you spice up your test sessions? I guess a lot of testers that I've seen as well um, are stuck in this, I have to do a regression day in, day out. Do you guys have any tips for those people? Oh, hard to say. I think basically you say they should have to break out and what they do, I don't judge them, but what they do is a problem for their company. They don't contribute as much as they possibly can. They are limited in their craft. And that's our, how to say, uh, yeah, uh, managers should uh, should be interested in this to, in this to, to unleash their testers and not limit them with them. Hey, here, execute the steps over and over and over again. Okay. Totally agree. Yeah. The, the thing is, I've been in that place and sometimes um, it's a mix of uh, qualities, the responsibility of the testing team. So they need to test and they are the only ones that can do it. So they do the regression. And when they end the regression, they need to go to the next regression because development is still going, creating new features, working the new sprints. And then they deploy and then they go to the new sprint and are still going on at it and and for me and the way i have dealt with it in the past is we need to involve more uh the development team within these tasks also and act like one team uh one team that is responsible for quality and if needed be they will contribute and automate some of the things that we do manually on regression tests to buy us some time or the other way around we can help them making the features a little bit more testable sometimes that are not that easy to test. And that interchange uh, of um, information, that collaboration that we will start to spark within that team will eventually or gradually reduce the time of the regression of the testing team, if we can call it that way, or of the testers in the team, and then uh, will increase quality overall. All right. Um, how about a new card? Okay. Perfect. All right. Spinning the wheel again. Here we go. It landed on a blue card, a quality aspect card. It's called Structure. Um, I'll read the summary and the first example. 
the architecture, technologies used, different programming languages, and duplicated code. That's the summary. And I will read uh, the first example. Software usually has different layers. Which layers are you testing? You both have said you guys are full stack testers. Uh, I want a broad answer here. <laughs> um, so yeah, multiple layers for me, uh, and from what uh, has been said, has come up um, when we well we are all being involved into companies that have not one product but or that have one product that is composed by several components and each one of those components are different uh, pro different projects within the company and sometimes going into the microservice world you have a lot of microservices that are interchangeable within them and you have like office front office and all of the, those things and well what resonates with me and what came to my mind when you start, start talking about that is the difference between having only the validation like end-to-end -end tests on the UI layer instead of doing uh, what we've been advocating for so long, that is divide for the different types of tests that you have. And for that, you'll need to change the way that you think about testing and try to validate each service independently, adding those unit tests, adding those component tests first in order to understand if that part of the product is working well um, so that you build upon validation upon validation until you reach very few end-to-end -end cases because all of the rest is validated and it will make it easier for you to target down what is happening because you will know um, from you are, you are testing basically the integration between the service, no, not the services themselves, because they should be already tested. Mm -hmm. So all of that complication, all of that architecture will depend uh, on um, the approach, of course, of the development team, because we are all uh, as good as, uh, I will say that the architecture of tests will mostly mimic the architecture of the of the, um, application or product. So we are only as good as the, the, the architecture of the, of the development <laughs> team. We can we can try to enhance that, but then we will rely on the help of the development team, of the, the, our team that has done that product. So probably they will mimic the, those things on our side. But, but I think it's that mentality change, quality, overall understanding the bits of it, divide testing types and dive in. It's basically that. And don't be afraid of uh, pushing code reviews, doing ensemble testing, and, and participating in ensemble development. Why not? Because testers are, have always something to say. Definitely true. Do you have anything to add, Sebastian? Yeah, uh, I would, how to say, uh, go on uh, uh, a little bit was what was Cristiano saying at last. Uh, I'm not heavily into um, code review, but sometimes... Uh, I, I can read code, I code myself, and by that I sometimes look in the code. I have access to our Git repository. I just I have found uh, some bugs just by looking at the code. That's one, how to say, layer where I'm, uh, uh, I'm on. Um, what else have I done? 
just recently, I I have tested a migration of I, of our database from Oracle to MySQL, and that was uh, this was w- without an UI or an API, uh, making things on two systems and then comparing the database, which is yeah beneath E to E. Um, what else we have? Must have been fun. <laughs> Was sorry. Must have been fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I I developed my own tools for this, and I love this creating my nice. own tools and and going all the uh, these iterations. And what uh, we have also an automation which um, um, simulates our UI layer, which just calls the API on the server, and I'm. How to say? Um, we have a data-heavy application where you where much data is push, pushed around. It's not so much about what you do in the UI, but what happens on the server side. And I use this API calls regularly for for moving data around because clicking it in the UI takes so long and it's so cumbersome and tedious. And if I have how to say a script of multiple API calls, they they make the things with you. Know, it takes the same time, but I don't have to do it i do I, I just click start and it happens and then i can start right from there so uh, even there in my preparation of my tests i cut out a certain layer because it speed ups my things yep that's actually very interesting as well um let's go for another card i'm gonna spill the wheel again here we go It's a pink card, heuristics. Title is history. <laughs> it's it's not history. It's okay. We don't go back to 1922 or anything. I just thought about <laughs> Git history. Uh, maybe if you want. I mean, you're free to interpret it as, as you want. I'll read the summary. Um, there is much to learn from earlier versions. What do they tell you about risk and failure? Oh, I can't currently come up with uh, with something for the last two points about risk and failure much. Maybe what have I learned in previous in testing of previous versions, but I often use old versions to see how things worked and uh, I found a bug in the new version and I compared with the old version because someone um, broke it. That's at least that part. And to go on with my Git history is I use, uh, um, we are using obviously Git as a version control system and I use it heavily as tool for how to say investigations. I look when, look up when were changes introduced. Um, yeah. What, what, who did what, when, and so I, I, I have regularly uh, uh, on more privately, but regular, uh, no, frequently I have discussions with my developers because they say, hey, use Git Bash, that's the best for using it, and I so, and I think, nah, it might be good for your approach, but mine is totally different. I don't. I seldom commit when I do these things. I investigate. I take it at at a uh, search tool. My take on history. I actually have a cool story about Git um, and risk. 
So I was once at a client and there were like uh, passwords and stuff all stored in Git. I told them to get them out because it was not secure and stuff and they eventually fixed it. But the risk of earlier versions is it's still in your history. It's still in your commits from before. So, and they didn't clean that. So it was kind of still there. So it was still a risk. Yeah. How about you, Cristiano? Do you have any experience? Oh yeah, that that took me back, and uh, you will see how old I am from the description I'm going to give. But <laughs> that's why this card is called history. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it made me think about um, in the previous company uh, how things were done. I was like, I was hired as the first tester of that company, and I did a lot of manual testing at the time, uh, just because they didn't have anything. And I remember uh, that the, we, we don't have, they didn't have even a source control. So imagine how long that was. And they were just pushing things to production with like a diff tool. It's like the, 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 the more senior developer was sitting at this desk and he was asking, rising up his hand and saying, who, who is this part of the code? Is it ready to go? And the other developer goes to that to his laptop and look at it and says, "Yeah, it's good." And merge to production. <laughs> and, nice peer review. <laughs> so, so that was uh, what was done. Only manual tests. And if I think of it of that now, uh, I will. It was like crazy risky what we were doing. Of course, it was still an embryonic uh, company, a startup company starting, and. If I think of it as a startup, probably I'm not going to invest in having the more safe and more secure uh, implementation uh, ready for my company because it will take a lot of investments and probably I'm not sure if it will worth the investment. But as the company uh, uh, grew and was um, giant, we start to have this uh, search control. We start having... Um, risk analysis, security analysis, uh, performance testing, automatic deploys, and all of those things. And we need to uh, address some PII data. So we have compliance that we need to adhere to. So it has evolved in a way that organically, the risk was increasing also because the company was growing in numbers. It was, uh, it has more clients. So for me, risk, it will depend on exactly what you want to do, what is your context, and what uh, you want to uh, accomplish or serve to our, your clients if you are under some compliances that you need to adhere to. The risk is, is bigger. And of course, nowadays, with the evolution of uh, having more frequent uh, deployments and having fast feedbacks and all of that to reduce that risk or at least to react to it a little bit faster than we did in the past because in the past it was most mostly reacting <laughs> to what was happening in production. We put something in production, if it breaks, we're going to react and correct things. Nowadays with observability and DevOps, I think we are in a good path where we try to anticipate those things and try to understand before the end user, if something is not okay, and we have those mechanisms like canary deployments, blue greens, and all of those things, or feature flagging, that is really, really um, a nice way 
to start to control those things. And of course, the quality needs to be there because pipelines are demanding it to and continuous mm-hmm. situation and development. So for me, I think we have evolved in a way that um, it's like before we didn't have uh, or we didn't think as quality to be part of the process because development was a thing. Nowadays, it doesn't cross my mind to don't, don't um, making sure that we have security in place, that we have reliability in place, that we have performance in place for anything that we're going to, to put in production because the tools have also evolved and have reacted to uh, the newer times that we have here. So yeah, that's my, my, <laughs> my example. All right. Um, do you have anything could, to add? I could share another story about history, specifically, <laughs> specifically uh, uh, version history. Um, when I started 15 years ago in software testing, the, the, the tool of the company was uh, um, SVN. After some year, years, we switched to Git, which was the upcoming uh, newcomer. And then I changed the company, and then maybe it might be uh, knowing uh, uh, Christiano may know it. I uh, this company had CVS, you know yeah, CVS, yeah. Oh, yeah. A, a pain <laughs> in the ass. Uh, okay, <laughs> even the predecessors are just worse. Just to give one example, CVS loses the history of a file if you move the file. It cannot cope with moving files. And even committing to the server isn't 100% safe. It may be break from time to time and you have to recover from that. It felt for me like being trapped in the past and I wanted back to the future. <laughs> Luckily, I was, some, I was it one or two years later, I had to do the, this, the transition from CVS to Git. And even that was a quite interesting project to transfer uh, all the commits and history and to be sure that the final builds are same and nothing got screwed up. That uh, that makes me feel young again. <laughs> 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 all right. Um, let's do one more card. Um, okay. Spinning the wheel again. Here we go. Uh, another feelings card purple surprised uh, it's a positive feeling that moment you go hmm this is very odd never seen this before let's look more closely i think we've all experienced this a little bit <laughs> anyone want to share bit. a story <laughs> i cannot say currently cannot up with a story i just it's it's basically my day-to-day job it's oh oh what happened there guys you did you is this the intention we have maybe we should change that yeah that's true it happens quite often yeah it's um it um uh, i remember that that has triggering me um the will to have everything at least in my head uh, every step that i take um every configuration understanding the context where i'm where i'm testing because sometimes it happens and you are oh i was not expecting this and then you try again and 
the, the worst thing for me is when I didn't manage to replicate that. It happens to yes. me once, and then mm. I try again, and yeah. it, what? what? But that happened. I don't know what that has triggered it. And then I end up understanding because, well, at the time, the environment was shared. Did anyone do the deployment at the same time? Did anyone was touching the database at the same time? What happened? Why is this happening? And I'm not able to replicate. And that's, that's for me, the 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 worst thing <laughs> when you know that something's wrong but you don't know how to replicate it again and, and that happens you me. begin doubting if the bug occurred because you have no recording you aren't sure for the details <laughs> yeah. i totally agree that is like my worst fear it happened a few times like being able to find a bug and then can't reproduce it but you know it's there that's like the worst yeah and you cannot find the, the same steps on the same situations in context to, to reproduce it. So it's, it's, it's bad. I sometimes think about setting up an automatic recording of my computer for, let's say, it records the, uh, the last hour I worked, and so I can always play back and take a look what, look what I have exactly done. Yeah, yeah, same. I always have developer tools open now. Since that <laughs> happened once, always developer tools open. Um, yeah. Yep. There are some good tools out there that do some some recording not only of um, the steps that were taken, but like um, the logs of the console, uh, yep. of the browser, or some things like that. So you need to to cross those things. But one of the best, uh, I'm not going to refer a tool, but one of the, the tools that are mostly uh, most used, or at least at my, at my time, was. Um, one of the observability tools that uh, the guys have that allowed me to have not only um, the log of the tests, but the log of the, each one of the applications and the log of the memory, uh, the cool. CPU, uh, database usage. So it gave me a unique view of what was happening. And it, that, that is usually one of the things that I find interesting in infrastructure is that they try to cross-reference everything much like well, much much like mm -hmm. no, like they did in production. Because when something happened in production in that spaghetti microservices <laughs> of the problem that we have, yeah. <laughs> and they say, "Well, checkup is not working," and they say, "Oh my God, what's happening?" And they go following that thread and see, well, at that this time this service was not working, but why? Because it has ten dependents of the service, and they go and see, and sometimes they go down the thread and cross-checking everything, and they find out, well, I don't know, the, the database was full for uh, for one specific service, and uh, they they kind of find out that that was that was not. You maybe see Working. a spike in the CPU or in the RAM yeah. usage, and then you know, okay, we need to look at that time there happened something interesting. Yeah. Yep. yeah totally useful. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes overkill <laughs> because they generate tons of data, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Um, that's our time. Uh, thank you guys for joining me on this podcast. How do people get in touch with you? Do you have anything to share, Sebastian? Okay, um, I'm on Twitter, Sebastian, or, or damn it, uh, I'm on Twitter and I will give you my name, I just know it um, uh, from my memory. And I also said having a website and uh, my first, art I'm preparing my first article and will come out in a couple of days and it's enterask.net, like the keys on your keyboard, enter and ask for escape.net.
We will put it in the description. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Cristiano? Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter or Mastodon or Discord. So I try to, to cover them all because I don't know what happened, but what will happen with Twitter. I'm kind of the fans now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I also have a blog. It will be referenced uh, below, but you can find me around uh, and uh, interact with me if you want. Slack, whatever, it's working. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm also on the Ministry of Testing Club. Yeah. Very important. Very important. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, thanks guys for being here. Um, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in in the Tasfiro Lab podcast. Here today we were two special guests, Cristiano and Sebastian. See you guys next time for a new game of Tasfiro. Thank you to the guests and thank you for listening. For more information about Tasfiro, check out restormingonline.com or buy the card tech from the Ministry of Testing store. Music at the courtesy of sepsplat.com. We'll see you for more roulette again soon.